You are listening to a message by Travis Scott from our gatherings at Shorebreak. Visit shorebreakchurch.com to get connected with more content. And if you would like to support the gospel being preached in Kona and to thousands online, your tax-deductible donation enables us to further Jesus' mission. Partner with us by giving at shorebreakchurch.com backslash give. Mahalo. Open up your Bibles if you have one and you can turn to the Gospel of John chapter 8 is where we are going to be. The Gospel of John chapter 8. It's in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, Don't feel ashamed if you need to uh, use the table of contents. And if you've been a Christian for a long time, maybe you should be ashamed. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Totally kidding. Hey, uh, aloha to you. I'm so privileged and honored to be able to study God's Word with you guys tonight. And my name is Travis, if you're new and you're visiting. And I'm one of the pastors here at Shorebreak. And, uh, and if you're new and you're dropping in, just want to say welcome. But um, last week, for those of you who were, were here, we made a special announcement about things that Jesus is doing as he's building his church and he's growing his church. And he, here's the thing. I am not the senior pastor of Shorebreak. I'm just a guy who loves God's word and wants to share it with others. Jesus is the senior pastor of this church. The title deed is his. This thing is not mine. It's not us other pastors who are in here too. This, this isn't ours. This thing is Jesus's. And from the moment we, we, we really felt like God calling us to start a church, we're saying, okay, you know, Lord, whatever you want to do in, in building your church, we just want to follow you. We just want to be obedient to you and follow in the scriptures and tell us what you want to do. And so as we've done that, like following Jesus, it's an adventure, right? Is there ever a dull, boring moment in your walk with God? Um, if so, repent, all right? And uh, last week we shared how God has been building and growing and, uh, and Jesus has been faithful to that. He said, I will build my church in the gates of hell. The gates of hell cannot prevail against his church. So in 2,000 years, which I pray that Jesus does come back before then, but if he isn't back, uh, Apple will be gone. They will be no more. Uh, Dell computers, are they still around? Is Dell still? I'm just kidding. Um, Yahoo, uh, Google, all these big corporations and companies will be gone, but you know what will still exist? The church. The church. Because Jesus loved the church so much that he died and gave up himself for the church. So until Christ comes back, we will believe that he will continue to build his church. Part of that is I'm excited to announce to you guys that beginning February 10th, we are relaunching Shorebreak Church to Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, we're moving to the mornings. And... um, and it's like, well, what's, what's the big deal about mornings? Uh, aren't you guys trying to be cool, hip, and trendy, and be that one church that's like the rebel out of all the churches and being on Sunday night? No. This is, these are the fishes and loaves we, God gave us, and we're like, all right, God, we're going to continuously give this back to you and see what you're going to do with it. And so I believe that by moving to Sunday morning at 10 a.m., not 6 a.m. or 7 a.m., because I'm still sleeping by then, and if you're up, more power to you. Let's talk after and tell me what you do because, yeah. Um, but, you know, by, by moving to 10 a.m., I personally believe and we believe that uh, moving to a time like that really broadens our reach to get the gospel out. 
by, by moving to 10 a.m., a lot of people work on Sunday nights. Uh, it's a school night, and that's always bummer for the, for the kids. You're like, school, what? Uh, no cake. You're like, I, I don't want to go back to school. And so parents, we, we struggle with that. And, and there are a lot of people who are, who are waiting to come to shore break, but they can't right now because we are meeting on Sunday nights. And so we believe that by moving to Sunday mornings, we are broadening our reach to get the gospel out, the good news to more people so that more people will hear about Jesus. Amen? Um, but that's not it. Because um, you're like, okay, well, where are we meeting on Sunday morning? Uh, we're meeting here on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And I am, am, am truly um, humbled and privileged to share with you some news that um, is, is for the betterment of God growing his church. Um, we are a young church. We are six months old. When you look at a six-month-old baby, they don't do much. Um, and, and so that's kind of where we're at. We, we are excited. We are passionate. We have God's word. Um, but we don't have many resources. And so um, God, in his grace, put it on the heart of Pastor John Miller of Calvary Chapel, Kona Coast, who meets in this same building we rent from, uh, is, has, has humbly uh, stepped aside and said, you know what, Travis, we, we see... God's hand on shore break, and we see the work that he is doing through you guys, and we would be honored to come alongside and to serve, and we would love to see shore, shore break church take under its wing Calvary Chapel Kona Coast, and together, uh, we aren't just launching, uh, of course, on Sunday morning at 10 a.m., but we are launching with Calvary Chapel Kona Coast on Sunday morning at t- 10 a.m., all under the banner of, of shore break church, and the vision of amplifying Jesus. And it's like, I, I, I honestly cannot even believe it. Um, you know, who would have thought that, you know, um, God would have, would have done this? Um, and and I, it's just, it's crazy to think about. And the reason why that's so exciting is because this is an opportunity for two churches to become one and for us to really model the gospel. See, the, the, the core message of the gospel that we proclaim, and if you're a Christian that we believe in, it's not what we get out of Jesus, but it's about what we give to Jesus. Uh, Jesus said, hey, if you want to find your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you're going to find it. So there are going to be some changes that we're going to make. There are going to be some things that are going to be happening. But here is my promise to you. This book will be opened every Sunday. The gospel will go out, and you will be taught God's word, Jesus will be amplified, and the gospel will go out, and we'll give people an opportunity to respond to him. So that's not going to change. That will remain the same. And what is going to change uh, is everything else, <laughs> right? Um, you know, moving to Sunday morning, uh, we, are, we, um, we really believe that um, as God brings two churches to become one, that it sure break better because of this. Yeah, we are better because of this. Uh, Shorebreak is better with Calvary Kona on our side. And Calvary Kona is better with Shorebreak Church on their side. And at the end of the day, forget the labels, okay? Our mission is Jesus and to make much of him. And so I pray that you guys are excited and that you are on board. And I honestly believe, I know, listen, I know we're a little church, um, but I believe that this is going to change a lot. Um, I believe that the gates of hell are already being shaken from, from this merge that Jesus is doing all according to his will. 
And that we're going to look back on this as a church and say, you know, that, that was a special time that Jesus did. And it's not because of us. It's not because of me. But it's in spite of us. It's all for his glory. Um, so make sure you mark that down. No more Sunday nights starting February 10th, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. And on February 13th, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be, uh, which is going to be a Wednesday night, February 13th, we're all getting together and we're having a vision uh, night, which means simply we're going to come and we're going to worship Jesus and we're going to pray with each other. Pray that Jesus will continue to unify us as, unify us as a church. Pray that, that Jesus would continue to use us to be transformed into his image and that Jesus would use us to, of course, reach more people with the gospel because we know he wants to build this church. And Jesus' vision for our lives and for this church is bigger than the vision that you have for your life and for this church. Isn't that incredible to think? Um, we can't, cannot even begin to understand the plans that he has for us. And so we're hanging on for the ride. Uh, one last announcement. Next week we're going to be, uh, as a church, um, so, uh, celebrating communion. So make sure that you guys come. It's going to be uh, an opportunity for us just to get together and remember what Jesus has done for us. And we always do that. Every Sunday we talk about the gospel. But it's going to be special because we are going to be partaking in the sacraments of communion together. And so make sure you guys are here for, for that. But before we go any further, let's just take this time as a church to pray. So let's all bow our heads and Jesus, you are the senior pastor, the chief shepherd, our cornerstone, the rock we build our lives upon. Thank you that we can decrease and, and, and you can only increase. Because the pressure is off our shoulders. The work is finished. The battle is fought and won. Victories. Victory is ours because of what you've done on the cross, but it's not for our glory, it's for your glory. And the Shorebreak Church, it's a cool name, and the vision's catchy and all these things. God, we know that it isn't about a name of a church or a name of a pastor or a name of a movement, but it's about your name, the name above all names. And so we want to make much of you, God, as we move forward in the future that you have for us. And so we dedicate our lives to you. We dedicate our church to you. This thing isn't ours. And I pray that you would continue to help us to stay focused and on mission, to continue to stay gospel-centered. So even now, I want to lift up Pastor John Miller of Calvary Chapel, Kona Coast, and his wife, Krista. We are so thankful for them. The friendship that I have with them has only been more kindled. And it's so amazing to see this man taking a step of faith and being obedient to you. Thank you, God, that he has faithfully taught your word in Kona for five years. There are few churches who systematically teach your word. God, thank you that he has been one who is faithful to do that. We stand on his shoulders. We will continue that to be faithful to your word by your grace through your spirit, for your glory. So as we examine the text here in John chapter 8, I pray, God, through your spirit, we would experience the freedom that comes from being a Christian. 
We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you believe in Jesus, why have you been forgiven of your sins? Now, of course, our, our first response is, well, so that we would have eternal life. And, and great response. That, that is very, very true. But, but why so that we would have eternal life? Why just eternal life? I mean, why was the blood of Jesus drained out of his broken body 2,000 years ago on Golgotha? Why did he do that? Uh, as we said, okay, for sure eternal life, but to start, Jesus didn't just come so that we would have eternal life, so that when we would die, we would go to heaven. To start, Jesus did not even die for us first. He first died to appease the wrath of God. God had impending judgment on people. And Jesus stepped in the gap for us when we couldn't and took the wrath and the punishment that he gave to Jesus that was deserved for us. We deserve that wrath. We deserve that punishment. But Jesus stepped in the gap. And because of that, he who knew no sin became sin so that we would become the righteousness of God. So in Jesus doing that, 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us that then we are able to have the righteousness of God because of what Jesus has done. So going back then, why did Jesus set us free from sin? He didn't do it just so you would have eternal life, which is true. Jesus did it so you would have freedom right now. That you wouldn't just experience eternal life when you breathe your last breath and go then into heaven, but that you would experience eternal, everlasting life now. Jesus set you free so that you would dwell in freedom. And this is why you have been set free. And now this is, this is vitally important as we will soon read through this Gospel of John. And Galatians 5.1 encapsulates that truth when Paul wrote, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Let, let that marinate in your hearts for a second. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. So, for the sake of freedom, Christ has set you free. Isn't that liberating? We're going to try to unpack that, and we're going to see a conversation that has been going on between Jesus, trying to explain that to re religious Jewish people who can't seem to get it. They can't wrap their minds around it, and they won't soften their hearts towards it. We've called our message this evening, Freedom in the Gospel if you're taking notes. So we drop in here in verse 31, and before we dive into it, Jesus is having a conversation with Jewish religious leaders and the Jewish people. And he just finished telling them, he preached this, I'm sure it was an epic, incredible sermon. And Jesus is like, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world, and darkness cannot comprehend my light, and darkness flees from my light, and my light is the life of men. And he shines his light into our hearts and reveals the areas that we need to repent. And as he said that, verse 30 tells us, many believed in him, 
So we drop in in verse 31, in the middle of this conversation, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you truly are my disciples. And if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father. And you do know, and, and you do what you have heard from your father. This is an interesting conversation. Why would Jesus have this conversation with those at which verse 31 tells us, those for those who believed in him? See, what Jesus is going to do, he's going to turn up the thermostat, bring the pressure, and press into them more because not all who believe in Jesus really believe in him, right? Now, of course, Jesus being God could see that. Uh, He could x-ray their heart and see right into them because he is God. But not only that, that means that not only all not believe in him um, or claim to believe in him have faith in him, but not all who say they have freedom in this life don't have freedom. And we can say that with confidence because verse 46, if you fast forward for a moment here, verse 46 tells us, uh, if IG is speaking, if I I tell you the truth, why do you not believe in me? So spoiler right here, Jesus is like, yeah, just so you know, you you guys don't believe in me. You don't get it, you don't see it, you don't believe in me, even though you, you, you do the religious thing, you go to the temple, you have the bumper sticker, you do all those things, you actually don't even know me. You really don't believe. Because they had faith in faith. I'm sure they believe in Jesus, but they didn't believe Jesus. And there is a difference. Because even the demons confess that Jesus is Lord, right? Yeah, we believe in Jesus. But do you believe Jesus? There's a difference between belief in Jesus and believing Jesus. Do you believe that Jesus can forgive you of your sin? Do you believe that Jesus has forgiven you of, you of your future sin? Even you Christian. He isn't just forgiven your past sin or your present sin, but your future sin. Believe him in that. Believe that Jesus has conquered sin and death and risen from the grave. See, they believed in Jesus, but they did not believe Jesus. It's because they were following in the wake of their father's faith as they said oh yeah our fathers you know and they're they're tagging along following along in the 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 wake of their father's faith but it's not their own faith and what jesus says here and as we're going to continue to unfold this is absolutely explicit and exposing i mean jesus is just going to strip them of everything and 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 it's it's painful you see their response at the end it doesn't end super well for them because painful and piercing It's important for us to know that, that we do not place our faith 
in an idea and a concept in some sort of mystical, fictitious character. We place our faith in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the object of our faith. It's not a fairy tale. It's a substance, Hebrews 11 tells us. There is weight. There is glory to having faith in Jesus. Faith in your heritage, it's not going to cut it. It will fail you. Oh yeah, my parents, it's, not, it's gonna, faith in faith. I mean, I've met so many people, they're like, oh yeah, so, hey, you know, so you believe in Jesus. Like, man, I got faith in faith. Like, I don't even know what that means. Like, that's like wishful thinking on wishful thinking. I mean, faith in faith. Faith in religion is not enough to save you. And Jesus, knowing their hearts, is going to press them on the issue. And that's why he up front is letting them know, in verse 31, if you abide in my word, you truly are my disciples. If you're taking notes, or you're allowed to mark your Bibles, if you can do that, circle that, underline it, write abide. In the original language, that means to dwell or to take up home or set up residence. So what Jesus is saying here is, if you dwell, take up home in my word, you are truly my disciples. Uh, I used to work at Starbucks for a few years. Um, Being a barista is like the best and worst job ever. People take coffee way too seriously. And... um, and among some of those people, you know, you get all interesting characters that come in and sit down for a cup of coffee, right? Um, but there's, there, and every barista knows this, um, there is the, the person that, does the, they're the regular, you see them come in, and they don't just come in and get their cu- cup of coffee. They come into Starbucks, and what they'll do is they will sit down and set up house. I mean, they bring, I'm serious, I'm not even kidding. One time someone brought in their lamp. Like, they brought in, a lamp in the Starbucks. I'm thinking, okay, so they're bringing in their lamp. They're bringing all these things. And for eight hours that day, because I got there the moment they started and they left, they were packing up their mobile office. They took in appointments. They were, I mean, I'm just thinking, like, you are, like, this is your house. Like, you are dwelling here. And they brought lamps. They brought a portable printer, laptop, books. They had their suitcase with them. It's like, oh my gosh, where's the refrigerator at, right? Um. And, 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 th- and if you're one of those people, stop it right now. I'm rebuking you. Do not dwell in Starbucks. You can dwell a couple hours is cool, all right? But give up your seats, especially with the new Starbucks that they built here. There is no room in that Starbucks. Plus, it's freezing. It is freezing when you, okay. Um, if you abide in my word. Do you let your heart dwell, saturate, marinate in the scriptures? Set up residence. Make this your home. Build the foundation of your life upon the word of God. And when the storm comes, and it will come, and it's going to wipe you out pretty hard, but you know what? If your roots are tied down to the rock of Jesus and your life is built on this truth and this book, no matter what storms you face, you will still be able to stand because you are on Christ. Abide in his word. And don't go home like, all right, book down, 
and let it collect dust for a week, which I am fully guilty of doing. And then, like, you've got to go to church. All right, you know, open this up every single day. Every day, be in the Word. Every day, ask God to speak to you. And He will. St. Augustine said that when the Bible speaks, God speaks. Because when you open up this book and you look in the scriptures, in fact, as we're studying right now, you see those red letters? If you have a red letter Bible, yeah, that's God speaking. And his word is alive. What Jesus is trying to make clear to them, what he's implying is, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He's implying that, hey, uh, you guys are not free. You're in bondage. And Jesus wants us to know that, that only Jesus can liberate you if you are not free. Only Jesus can set you free. But what do we do often? We look for other functional saviors other than Jesus to find freedom or to experience happiness. So what is your functional savior? What is it? For the Jews, it was their heritage, right? They're like, oh yeah, Father Abraham who had many sons. You got to know those many sons? I am one of them. And so are you, right? So let's just, okay, so. They knew the Bible. They knew the stories, their heritage of, of their bloodline. They were related to Abraham. Their great, 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 something, something down the greats grandfathers was Abraham. Pretty special, right? I have no one famous in my family. You know, a lot of people are like, oh yeah, my lineage, I'm like part this, part this, I got royal blood meat. Really? I'm a mutt. Thanks for asking. Um, you know, it's like, I mean, their heritage and bloodline became their functional savior. Was it because of their faith, the same faith that they had as Abraham, but they relied on that as their functional savior. So let me ask you, what is your functional savior? We all have different functional saviors, and don't act like you don't have them, because I've got mine, too. We all have them. Maybe your functional savior is materialism. That is one functional savior that many of us have. Because the more you have, the happier you become, because maybe we are trying to build heaven here on earth, or we can get a taste of the Shekinah glory of God if we buy enough stuff, and if we have the leather seats, if we have the... What are the 80-inch TVs now in Costco you could buy? It's like, I mean, that wouldn't even fit in my house, you know? How do you get that fit that in your car? Um, the more we have, the more we consume, the happier we become. I mean, anytime you go to the mall, it's like going to a church service. Have you guys noticed that? I mean, when you, when you, anytime you go to the mall, there is an area where you can do life with each other, where you can have community. It's called the food court. You sit down, you break bread with one another, and you have fellowship. That's what the food court's for. It's like the, the foyer, the lobby of a church. And then, oh, if you need to drop off your kids, some malls, I'm not even kidding, they have child care. So you can go drop off your kids while they're bouncing in the bounce house, and you're putting on $2,000 watches that you could never afford. And, 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 and everyone's, you know, the kids are worshiping in the bounce house. Bounce house, you're worshiping things that you could never afford. Or how about when you go into the movies? Movies are in the mall, right? You go to the movies. Everyone sits, actually, we're in a theater right now. Everyone sits down and watches a movie that's projected on a screen that preaches a sermon to you. It's a service. 
the mall is a, is a worship center for many. And listen, I'm not against malls, okay? A little confession here. I actually like the mall, just a little bit. I can't stand, I get lost in there, and, and, I, and I always, I don't, don't tell my wife that she isn't in here right now, so, uh, but I, I kind of like them. But can you see how the mall is a worship center where we often go to find our functional saviors? I'm going to go here. I'm going to purchase this thing. That thing's going to bring me happiness. What is your functional savior? For you, maybe it's not a mall. Maybe it's, it's something in nature, right? Your thing, your functional savior is something out there. If I could just go, for me, if I could go surfing four times a week, then I would be happy. Surfing, can you just be my God? Can you just be my functional Savior? If I could just go four, to- four times, God, that is all I ask, then I will be happy, and I will be saved, and everything will be better. I mean, I missed this last well. I'm, there's one coming again. Anyways, you know, it's like, or if I could just get outdoors more. For you moms, it's like I'm stuck at home with the kids. I got all these responsibilities. If I could just get outdoors, that will be my Savior, and I will be, you know, I'll be happy. Or if I could go to the beach without all those malahinis taking all the parking spots and kicking sand all over the place and spraying their sunscreen all over my kid's face. And it's like, if I could just, if I could just enjoy this thing and, and, and let it be God for me for a moment, I will be happy. But you know what happens. Even if, even if you got that thing, got that idol, what happens? You go surfing four times a week all the time. You drag your back across the reef. You break your board. Uh, you finally get outdoors, and it's like your day off, and what is the weather? It's horrible. It's like raining. You're like, it's my day off, and now it's, it's raining. Or you go to the beach to try to escape, and someone just drops everything right in front of you. That actually happened to me. I'm not even kidding. We're at the beach, and someone, he's obviously a tourist, um, already in a Speedo, bad enough, and decides to just, in front of us, and we're like, no, kids, look over there, there's a plane. I mean, it was just like, really? Are you, we're here to escape. And, 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 and as we're here to escape, now we're having to escape the place that we came to escape because it was just getting weird. And so we're like, out of here, see ya. No, this is not okay. We all have our, our functional saviors. And, and for those of us who live in paradise, we really know it's, it's paradise only lasts for so long. Our functional saviors don't last forever, do they? And maybe for you, it's like, yeah. Buying stuff, don't care about it. Nature, don't care about it. Okay, how about this? Functional savior of food. You, Ben, and Jerry spend quite a few times together every week. And you open up the freezer, and you guys enjoy some good fellowship. And you grab that spoon... And every bite you put in your mouth of, of Ben and Jerry, it just goes down. It's like sugar to your soul. It's paradise and your stomach and for your gut. Or maybe Jack Daniels, right? We use that Jack Daniels to sedate our past, to remove the pain that we've dealt with. Helps us forget if we have enough of Jack Daniels. We can escape the pain. Maybe for some it's religion. Religion. Maybe even going to church is the religious thing that acts as your functional savior. Right? Or some religious activity. Maybe you're trusting in yourself for salvation. Or you think, you know, if I just recycle enough, if I get green enough, 
and I bring my bags to the store, and even though they took the bags away now, if, if I just, I'm not saying those things are bad, but th- that becomes your religion. That becomes your thing. I mean, have you seen how many different trash bins there are out at, when you leave the stores now? I don't even know which one is for what, you know? And, or if you can get enough people converted to being vegan, or if they can get them to stop watching primetime television or listening to that music, and somehow because of our good works, I will earn brownie points before God and somehow attain and earn salvation from Him. Or maybe for some of us, and this is my story, and maybe for some of you in here too, I was raised in a Christian home. I was baptized as a baby. And I rode on the back of my parents' faith for a long time. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Like, are you, I wish I never said that well, in some of the, the situations that I was in. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm like about to get arrested. Yeah, yeah, you know, Lord, forgive me. The officer's like, shut up. You know, like, get over yourself. And, uh, and it's like, that was what these people were doing. They turned to the religion of their parents, somehow thinking that whether they were, whether for you you're baptized as a baby or you know your parents were really religious or just their family history, that somehow you have a hall pass from hell. Not true. Jesus and knowing him is your only hall pass from hell, period. And it's not, guess what? When you're on judgment day, it's not you and mom and dad. It's not you and your 80-inch TV It's you and Jesus. And when you stand before him, you will fear him. Your knees are going to knock. You're going to land flat on your face. And in that moment, we'll say, hey, I I knew you. Or we say, "I, I don't know you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Don't ride on the on anyone else's faith. It's not, it's it's knowing Jesus. And the religious people tried that, and how did that work out for them, right? How did that work out for them? Not so good. It didn't. And you know, we know our functional Savior will will fail us. We know it will fail us ultimately, right? Because we've all been failed by our functional Saviors. And so what happens is, and I just listed a few functional Saviors, uh, but what we do is we move from one functional Savior, just absolutely soak up everything we get from that Savior and then move to the next Savior. All right, here's my next functional Savior. Maybe this. And we, we, we absolutely suck everything we could possibly get out of that Savior and then we go to the next one and we go to the next one and we go to the next one. We go to the next one and it becomes exhausting. And we do this often because we don't realize it, but we are like the people who Jesus described in verse 34 and verse 35. What did he say? I say to you, everyone who commits sin is what? Slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. Slaves have choices, but their choices are limited. Just think about this. Imagine for a moment, you're a slave. You have an owner, and you have to work today. You're a slave. I mean, you you have... You don't have much freedom. And if you have to clean up the house, what are your choices? I can either clean the toilet or mop the porch, one or the other. But I have to do both of them at some point today. Those are your choices. Those are your limitations. And Jesus says to us, listen, if you practice sin, you are a slave to sin and you need to be set free. Functional saviors aren't going to cut it. Because if you are 
a slave, you are owned. And all of us have been owned by sin at some point in our walks with God for a Christian. And if we aren't Christian, we are currently a slave to sin. And if not, Jesus said, you're not going to be on the house of God forever. He said, if you abide in me, abide in my word, and you are truly my disciples, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will have freedom. So are you going to turn to another functional Savior when that functional Savior fails you, or are you going to repent? And are you going to turn to Jesus who offers real salvation, real freedom? We all do it. We all struggle with it. And listen, it's not wrong. Don't get me wrong. I don't want you guys to think I'm a legalist. It's not wrong to hang out with Ben and Jerry, all right? If you like Ben and Jerry's and that's your thing, go for it. Cool. Uh, enjoy that. Uh, if you like going to buy stuff, use the stuff that God has given you if you have resources to enjoy them worshiping God, not worshiping those things. You can enjoy that. That's, that's totally fine. Uh, if, if, you have a, if you have, you know, royal blood in your family, go ahead, brag on. I'll be jealous of you, okay? But those things will fail you. When you see that advertisement of the leather seats, know that advertisement will not come through for you. It is false. It will fail you. They cannot sedate you or save you from your problems. And if you do not have Jesus, you are not free according to Jesus. And all we do often is turn to other functional saviors. So we'll say, it's like, okay, well, practically, I'm unhappy right now, so I'm going to buy something to make me happy. So we turn to that functional savior. Or, I'm single, right? How about that one? I am single, and I hate singleness, so I'm going to find my functional savior and a girlfriend. That never works out good when you place your girlfriend in the place of God, right? Doesn't work out for you. Or a marriage, for that matter, or any relationship, or since the business isn't working out, See, the Apostle Paul clearly understood the illustration that Jesus used here. Like, Paul got this illustration, you guys. And, and, and he, no doubt, knew the teachings of Jesus. And in fact, Paul was a slave to the religious system that many of these people that Jesus is talking to even right now. And he sent out to kill Christians. And in doing so, God saved him. And he would later write this in Romans 6. And I want you guys to hear this. Now, this is lengthy. But I want, at this time, I want to read to you Romans 6. And I want to let the parallel passage of Romans 6 that ties directly with what Jesus is saying here of enslavement in in John 8 to speak to you. I'm going to read it to you and open up your hearts to what Romans 6, starting in verse 15 verse 23 says what then are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace by no means do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves you are slaves of the one whom you obey either sin which leads to death or obedience which leads to righteousness but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin, have you become slaves of righteousness? I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. 
For just as once you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting in all that time and all the things of which you are now ashamed of doing? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life and Christ Jesus our Lord. If you have Jesus, if he is your savior, you have this freedom that Paul is talking about in Romans. And let Jesus right now shine on you in this moment. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and let his light shine in you into the the false gods and the functional saviors you've erected inside of your heart. And as the Holy Spirit reveals those things, as he's doing even to me, repent from them. Turn from them. They don't, we know they won't satisfy us. Continue to believe that Jesus is enough to satisfy. But here's the thing. We need more than just freedom from something. We need freedom towards someone. Let me say that again. We need more than just freedom from something. We need freedom towards someone. You guys with me? You getting that? Well, I'll use an example. Um, maybe you guys uh, heard about those two guys recently who escaped from prison. You guys hear about that on the island? It was like a month ago. I don't remember the guys' names. Two guys, federal inmates in prison, escaped and got out uh, on this island. Now, it's interesting, right? Because it's like, okay, you escaped from prison, but you're a criminal. I mean, you're not just going to be able to go hop on the airplane and go anywhere. You're a criminal. And there's how, or you're not going to be able to hop on a boat. I mean, you're, you're, you're stuck. You're a criminal. You're not going to get anywhere except stay on this, this island, right? What, what choices do you really have? And it's like, and if any one of the guys and recently, the last guy got caught, what, a week ago, I think, or a few days ago? And it's interesting because what if those guys are like, hey, we're free now, right? We can do whatever we want. Can they really do whatever they want? What if the guy's like, hey, I really want to go to Disneyland? Too bad, bro. You're not going to the happiest place on earth because you are stuck on this. Like, you're literally stuck. You can't get on. You and I, well, let's just get on a plane and go fly. No, not them. They can't go. They're criminals. They, they are in prison. And, and, and I want you guys to get that. See, to be freed from something alone is not good. Those guys were freed from prison, but what were they freed towards? They could not be freed toward anything. They couldn't go to Disneyland, the happiest place on earth, even if they tried, they couldn't do it. It's, it's not going to happen. You can't swim across the big Pacific. It, it's, no, it's not going to work. See, we need more than just to be freed from sin, but we need to be freed towards Jesus. And oftentimes, like, hey, you know, I prayed the prayer. I walked the thing. I got the Bible, and I did that. But that's, that's good. Praise God for that. But you aren't just freed from sin. You're freed to Jesus now. You are free to be able to worship him, to boldly approach his throne, to give him 
all of you, all, all that you are in your entire heart and, and not hold on to these other things that often we do. We aren't just freed from something. We're free, freed towards Jesus. And as Christians, we measure our growth and the gospel by the amount of liberty we dwell in. We measure our growth and the gospel by the amount of liberty we dwell in, not by how much we think we're restrained from doing. Abide in Jesus. Abide in the word. Paul, who preached in Antioch with Barnabas in Acts 13, got this. And he just stood up on the spot because someone asked him to preach. And Paul got up and proclaimed. You know what he proclaimed? In Acts 13, 38, he said this in his sermon. Let it be known to you, brothers, that through this man, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you cannot be freed by the law of Moses. Isn't that an amazing verse? Is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Verse 39, by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything. All right, if you're taking notes, write this. Three things that the gospel cannot free you from. Write that down. Three things that the gospel cannot free you from. Okay, good. You better not be looking down, right? It's like, wait, what? No, there, there's nothing you could write down even if you tried. The gospel frees you from everything. Now, if you're like, well, I got this sin that I'm stuck in. I'm addicted and it's this thing and I just can't get rid of it and I can't shake it. I worship money or I love this website that I visit or I'm, I'm, I just... It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Christ didn't save you so that you would continuously be worshiping other idols. He delivered you from that. Now, we will struggle, we will stumble, and we will fall. But we are not stuck in it because he has freed us from everything. So what happens to the person who rejects Jesus? I mean, for the record, uh, Jesus calling these people slaves, like no one really likes being called a slave, do they, right? <laughs> no one likes being called a slave. So in their defense, attempting to escape God's judgment, they said this in verse 39. Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works of, that Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I have heard from God. This is not Abraham. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works that your father did. Now you gotta love what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is like, really? You claim to be like all close to your, your father Abraham? No, you're not. Because I knew Abraham. I know Abraham. And you don't, you don't, you don't even know him. Like, I know him. And, and, and we're close. And he's dwelt with me in heaven from the throne. And you guys can't see that. And, and they didn't get that. And they didn't see that. And Jesus is like, no, Abraham isn't actually your father. By blood, yes. But by faith, no. They did not have the same faith that Abraham said. How does this go over for them? They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, 
even God. <laughs> what they're saying to Jesus is like, at least my parents are pure. Yeah, your mom, Virgin Mary, wink, wink. Uh-huh, really? And they're, they're dissing on Jesus' mom and his own divinity. <laughs> Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. Have you ever met those people who say, yeah, I know God, I believe in God? If they don't believe in Jesus, if they do not love Jesus, they do not know God. And you can believe whatever they say, but the way to God is through the cross of Christ. Why do you not understand what I say? Verse 43. is because you cannot bear to hear my word. That's the second time he said that. He also said that uh, earlier. There's no room for God's word in their heart. Verse 37 tells us that my word, Jesus said, finds no place in you. Right now, even as I'm saying these offensive things that Jesus said, is there room for God's word in your heart? Are you yielding to him? You, who's your father, Jesus is going to say? You are of your father, the devil. And your will is, is to do your father's desire. Pretty harsh words here. He was a murderer from the beginning. He is nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of all lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me? Which one of you convicts me of sin? Who can say that in here? Which one of you convicts me of sin, right? You better not ask me that question. There's a lot of people who would say, that guy, no, he's a sinner. Jesus could say, try me. Have I sinned? It's perfect. They couldn't answer. I tell you the truth. Why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Then the Jews answered and said, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Now they're saying, yeah, you're Jesus, you, you're demon-possessed. That's what you are. You're not having a good day if you tell Jesus that he is demon-possessed, okay? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon. <laughs> Biggest understatement in the Bible. I do not have a demon. Put that on Twitter. Jesus, right? But I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I seek not my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my words, he will never see death. See, the, the religious Jews here will be, have been called a lot of things. If you're taking notes, write these things down that Jesus called the religious Jews. Uh, children of hell, brood of vipers, whitewashed tombs. We just read sons of the devil. That's always a good one. And he said, your cups are clean on the outside, but they're filthy, grody, moldy, nasty on the inside. 
You see, what, what the point of Jesus saying here is now we can sit here 2,000 years later in Hawaii thinking, oh yeah, the, man, those j- religious Jewish people, they got some problems. No, no, no. The point is not the religious Jewish people, but it's all people who do not believe in Jesus are, sla- are, are dead and enslaved to their sin and fall under this category. Jesus isn't just talking about religious people. He's talking about the human condition of being enslaved to sin. And you know, listen, this is incredibly harsh, but Jesus deals with a hard heart harsh, harshly only to soften it. He wants them to soften their heart. But this is a human problem. Where were we? Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Verse 52. Jesus, the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died as the, pro- as the prophets, yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Here it is. If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me. Of whom you say, he is our God. But we have not known him. I know him. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. Abraham could not wait for the coming Messiah. That was promised through the promise that God gave him to be father of many. And he saw it and he was glad. So the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old. Like you're not even 50. And you've seen Abraham. They're literally thinking, just, Jesus, they, they just do not see it. They're, they are blind. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. There is no clear statement in the entire Bible that Jesus is God than when Jesus just said, before Abraham was, I am. That is huge. Jesus is claiming to be God. So what did they do? Now, really quick, you know, people will say, oh, no, the Bible never claimed that Jesus would be God. Not true. Why? So they picked up stones to throw at him. This is their first move they're making to attempt to kill him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. You know, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. This brings us back to an encounter that Moses had in the Bible. Now, we all know who Moses is, right? The guy with the rod, incredible man of faith, split the Red Sea. God used him to free the people enslaved in Egypt. But Moses, many people don't know this, Moses is an underachiever. The guy was living with his in-laws for years, married with children. Didn't really even have a job. He was a shepherd. He wandered. And one day when he was wandering out in the wilderness, what did Moses see? He caught a burning bush. So he walked up to the burning bush 
and the bush spoke to him, and the, sh- sh- the glory of God was burning and shining from that bush. And God spoke to Moses, and he said, you know, Moses, I'm going to call you out to do a great thing for me. And I'm going to use you as a mouthpiece to set my millions of people who are enslaved in captivity in Egypt, which is symbolic of the world, interestingly enough. And Moses is like, there's no way. Are you kidding me? I'm a shepherd guy. You want me to go to the most powerful man in the world and say, yeah, let, God people, let God's people go. Like, who am I? Who should I say sent me? And God said to, to Moses, tell them that I am sent you. That word for I am is Yahweh. That word they couldn't even pronounce because they were afraid because the word was so powerful encompassing the glory of God. To say I am meant that God was from eternity past, eternity present, eternity future, above all, in all, preeminent, and everything. And so here is Jesus speaking to these religious people who are like, yeah, but our father is Abraham and Jesus is like, I am. Before Abraham was, I ruled and reigned on my throne. Before Abraham ever existed, I made him. In fact, Jesus could have said here, he could have, he didn't, I made you. I knit you in your mother's womb. I am God. I am. And this is the most obvious statement that Jesus is the I am, that Jesus is Yahweh, that Jesus is God. There's no more clear statement in the Bible. So obvious that the religious people tried to kill him. And I want you guys to know this, that the great I am is alive in this moment and his presence is here. And maybe some of you are like the Israelites. Maybe some of you, uh, you're in bondage. You are enslaved to the emperor of sin that you cannot escape from, to the grip of sin. Maybe some of you are enslaved and you are caught and you have not been free because you have not been responsive to the truth. Turn from your functional savior. Get up out of your slavery and see Jesus who sets you free. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. And believer, listen, it is for freedom, believer, even you too. It's not just for the unbeliever. Believer, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. You have to preach legalism out of your life and let the gospel transform you from the inside out. You guys, the longer we abide in Jesus, the more freedom we have. And if you don't know Jesus, Jesus would say to you, as he said to these religious people, if you abide in me, in my word, you truly are my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are God. Thank you that you came to set the captives free. That it is for freedom that you have set us free. And even when we were slaves in sin, you freed us and 
towards righteousness, not just so that we would be free, it's not just so that we would have eternal life when we die, but that we would have eternal life now and that we would experience the freedom that you have offered us to us now. We do not have to perform for you. You have performed for us. Thank you for that gospel truth. And if there is anyone in this moment with every head bowed, with every eye closed in this theater, and you do not know Jesus, you do not know the truth, but the Holy Spirit has revealed the truth of who Jesus is. And you have been, your eyes have been opened for the first time that you have been enslaved to sin. And you want to be forgiven of your sin. You want to be, you want to turn from your sin. You want to respond to the work of the Holy Spirit in your hearts. With every head bowed and eye closed, if you want to respond to the gospel and put your faith in Jesus and believe in Jesus right now where you're at, just put your hand up in the air. There is absolutely no shame. If you sense the Holy Spirit doing a work in your heart, you raise up your hand and you respond to him in faith if that is you. I know some of you in here, some of you I don't but you're going to stand before God one day. Not on the faith of your parents, not in religion. No functional saviors around you. Just you and Jesus. If that is you, you want to repent from your sin and respond to the saving work of God's grace, shoot your hand up in the air. For any of you who are listening on podcast, for those of us that are in here, maybe even didn't raise our hands, God, we want to repent from our sin, all of us. We are just one beggar telling another beggar where we found bread. We all need you, Jesus. None of us can continue on in this life without your gospel-saving truth. So I pray that as you continue to build your church, you would unite us, that you would propel us forward to make much of you, and that as you continue to increase this church for your glory, we would not increase with it, but that we would decrease lower and make much of your name. And that we would be excited to be on mission for the gospel. Inviting people to church who need you. Sharing those with those about the truth that you have come to set us free. Thank you for doing that, God. We love you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope that Jesus is doing a work in your life from the message that you just heard. We would love to hear how you were impacted and what was impressed on your heart. Share your story by emailing connect at shorebreakchurch.com. And if you don't know Jesus as God, Lord and Savior, or you have more questions, send us an email to info at shorebreakchurch.com so we can get you dialed in with a free Bible and resources for your new relationship with Jesus.